Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I feel like God has given me a word to bring to you today and set us in a direction. It might be a little bit of an overview, um, and some of you might want to dig more in this area, but we're going to open ourselves to what the Holy Spirit has to say. And, and we're going to uh, not put any preconditions on the word. We're just going to let God speak. Amen. Come on, can you say amen? amen. And today, I, I think that this might be the most important sermon you ever hear in your life. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be the best sermon. I, mean, I don't make those promises. But this might be, for some of you, the most important sermon on the most important subject you ever hear in your life. Because see, the issue I'm going to talk to you about today, this issue brings down more Christians than virtually any other issue in the church. This specific sin takes down spiritual giants, fells mighty oaks, rips apart whole families. This specific issue blinds people to reality and removes their faith. Today I want to talk to you about the subject of offense. Offense. We've been looking at the end of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says we're called to build a life, a house, a home. And he says you have two choices. You can either build on the rock, so when the storm comes it's strong, or the fool builds on sand and, uh, and it shifts. We see later on that Jesus says, I'm going to build something. I'm going to build a church. And he says to Peter, and you're the rock. I'm going to build on the rock. Right. But we see that Peter gets messed up and, 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 and foolish, and he, and he ends up becoming a stumbling block to Jesus. But Jesus tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, he says, so the honor is for, those, uh, for, for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. In other words, the wise will build on the cornerstone that is Christ. In the world, they might reject Christ, but the wise will choose to build their whole life on Christ. But then Jesus goes on, and he's, but he says, but if you reject Christ, then he will be a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. The wise, hear me, build their house on the rock that is Christ. The unwise trip over the rock that is Christ and become offended with him. I was speaking a couple months ago at the 1145 service and uh, you know, it's just one of those days where I'm preaching and, you know, I just start saying stuff, you know? After you preach three times, sometimes stuff starts going sideways. And I'm just out there, I'm just throwing Hail Mary, I'm throwing Patrick Mahomes, just seeing what hits, you know? And somehow, I brought up Bob Barker, the, the guy that, runs the, that runs the, ran The Price is Right, you know? And it hit me when I was up here. I was remembering like all those days I stayed home sick and I'd watch the prices right. And, and you know what I'm talking about. And, and he would always, 
end the broadcast. He'd say, he'd say I'm Bob Barker, help control the pet population. Remember he had that little mic? And he said, have your pets spayed and neutered. And I always thought, like, that's a weird sign-off. <laughs> like, of all the cool sign-offs, that's an odd one. And, and to be honest, I don't even know what spayed and neutered really means, you know? So, so anyways, that came to me when I was speaking. What was I talking about? I have no idea. I don't even know what I was talking about then. But, but it came out, you know, and I moved on in the sermon. At the end, at the end of the sermon, I was down at the altar praying for people, and this, this woman came up to me, and she was mad. And she said, I want you to know, I am a card-carrying member of PETA. And I, some of you already know, I thought PETA was a bread. <laughs> me too, especially during the Daniel fast. I'm, that's all I have. <laughs> she said, I am an animal rights activist. Now I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> and she said, uh, and when you said that thing about Bob Barker and the animals, she said, I was offended. She said, I am offended. And she said, at that moment, my heart turned to stone. Oh. I, I didn't mean to. I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, but she was wearing fur. So I said, like, hey, well, is this fake, you know? And if the first thing didn't offend her, that offended her. You know, she said, I'm leaving this parish. <laughs> you know, we, we live in a culture of the perpetually offended. Everyone is offended by everything. And, 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 and it's almost, we've almost turned that vice even into a virtue. A virtue. Offense has become a virtue makes you feel good. It interacts with pride, self-righteousness, selfishness, you know. And Jesus told us this was going to happen. He said, you'll know you're in the end times because in that season, the love of many will grow cold. And that's what's happening. People's hearts have turned to stone. A coldness had descended upon society, you know. And, and, and after the pandemic, you know, it, it only worsened it. You know, I don't know if you've gone to the airport recently, but that place is cold. People are kind of mean-spirited and, and perpetually offended, and, 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 and there's no really even kind of, kind of getting out of it. It just is kind of, it's attached itself into society. But it's not just for the world. It can get into the church as well. And the truth is, you will face the opportunity for offense against God and people, hear me, many times in your life. You will face the opportunity for offense against God and people many times in your life. And if you can't walk through it, you will get stuck in it. You'll get stuck in it. And the reality is offense will harden your heart. It will harden your heart. You'll, you'll no longer be soft to the things of God or people or even God himself. You've got to be careful because you can get stuck. Sorry. New mic. You can get stuck in offense. You can get stuck in a cycle of offense. You can constantly trip over this thing. You've got to be careful. Jesus says this. 
He says, offenses will certainly come. He didn't say offenses might come. He didn't say be careful because this could happen. No, no. He says the opportunity to be offended is unavoidable. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you close your circle off. It doesn't matter how many people you write off. It doesn't matter how much you try and protect yourself out of hurt, past, pain. You know, it's been said offense is really a fence that you build between you and others. It doesn't matter how much you try and isolate yourself. In the end, if you're living, you'll have the opportunity to be offended with others. A place, an organization, a person, even God himself. And, and the, the reality is, the closer, the, the closer your proximity to someone and the longer you have relationship with someone, the greater the opportunity for offense will be. The closer the proximity, the longer the relationship, the greater the opportunity for offense. And this is what's scary, at least to me. You know, you could be actively offended and still currently connected. You can be offended and still married. You're in the same kitchen. There's tension in the air. The kids can feel it. You won't look, you won't talk like two ships passing in the night. You're in the same bed, but you turn your back. You're offended. You're offended. You can be in the church and be offended. You're here, but you're here. Mad at a crew leader. Mad at the parking guy who keeps telling you where to go. Mad at the preacher. No. Don't like his Bob Barker illustrations. Offense is like a slow drip, too. You know, you could come into one place, say, like, God brought me here. And then later say, God, why'd you bring me here? It's a slow drip. You can be offended and still at the family functions. You're at the cookout. You're there for Christmas, but there's a stony silence between you and your aunt. <laughs> there's a seething anger between you and your parent. There's a frustration and nervousness and attention, and no one knows what it's coming from, really. No one can really pinpoint it, but it's a heart of offense. You can be present, but still perishing, hurting being destroyed. And the reality is when you're offended, what you end up doing is you end up poisoning your own well. You pour resentment down your own well. Bitterness, anger down your own well. And the problem is you're the only person drinking from this well. You think it's going to poison everyone else, but they got their own wells. You're the only one I've seen this happen with people that they're offended with entities they've never, they even have no interaction with. I've had to guard my heart against it. You can be offended with your government. How dare they? What they tried to do, what they did to me. 
and you're mad and you're watching the news and you're on Twitter, whatever it's called, and you're getting hyped. And you're picking up that bucket and you're, you're the only one drinking. You're the only one drinking and you're hurt and you're angry and, and you're offended with something that, that you absolutely cannot change. And what is it doing? It's destroying you from the inside. You've got to understand, offense is like a tick. Oh, it's small, tiny. It burrows into you. It gets under your skin. It attaches itself to your bloodstream. I don't want to be gross. But do you know that ticks suck your blood? Like little vampires. But do you know how you get sick is they actually vomit back into your bloodstream. Ugh. And all of a sudden now what's in them gets in you, pumped through your whole body, sick in your mind. They carry diseases from other people, other animals. And now because, because you didn't deal with it, now it's getting in you. And it's burrowing in deep, and it's small, but it's powerful. And it's sucking the life blood out of you. Offense sucks. It sucks. It sucks the love out of your life. It sucks the joy out of your life. It sucks the peace out of your life. It sucks the forgiveness out of your life. The grace out of your life. And the longer it goes undealt with, the deeper it goes. The longer it lasts, the more it steals. And you know, offense like ticks, it's it's very subtle because the smallest ones are actually the most dangerous. It's the little ticks, the deer ticks that carry the worst diseases. Small and unnoticeable to others. No one else can even figure it out. They know something's changed. They know something's different. There's something going on. You look sick, but you can't figure out where it's coming from because it will never be noticeable to others. It's a heart issue. And it's so small sometimes it can even be unnoticeable to you. You can live a long life. You can be in the church, currently connected with that person or in that relationship or with those people or with that organization and be offended with it and not even know it. And you, you, might even, you might even say, I can't figure out why I'm not feeling the presence, why I'm always angry, why God's not answering my prayer. Why? It's because of a tick. It got in your skin. It got underneath. And it's pouring stuff into you, pulling stuff out of you. On the way home from camp, I passed this billboard. We were up in the Adirondacks. We were up in the woods, you know. And I passed this billboard, and it had a giant tick on it. God's helping me write this sermon. And it said, don't let a tick make you sick. It said, prevent, check, and then remove. Today, I'm here to help you prevent, check, and remove. With the Spirit of God, those things can happen. Because some of you, all of us, We'll walk through this. We'll get those ticks on us. It's not an if, it's a when. 
So we need to know how to deal with them. Well, where does offense come from? If Jesus says offenses will come, where does it come from? Where do they originate from? There's many different areas, but I want to give you the three primary ones that I've seen in the church. The three primary areas where offense comes from is, number one, unfulfilled expectations. Number two, unforgiveness. And number three, undealt with hurt. Undealt with hurt. Number one, unfulfilled expectations. That sounds like, it sounds like you should have. You, you should have been there. You should have done this. You should have said that. You, you should have shown up. You, you should have. You should have. You have expectations for people. You have expectations for God. You have expectations for the church. And if they don't fulfill your expectations exactly as expected, now hurt can come in. You let me down. I trusted you. I thought better of you. I shared with you. You let me down. I expected more of you. And if you're not careful, out of that hurt, out of that resentment, out of the other person not being God, although you can even be offended even with God, but when the other person falls short, now, now you have an unfulfilled expectation, and in that gap comes offense. Because you didn't, now I'm offended. The second area where offense comes in is unforgiveness. This sounds like you shouldn't have. You know, ex expectations as you should have. Unforgiveness is you shouldn't have. You shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have gone there. You shouldn't have been with them. You shouldn't have talked like that. You shouldn't have used that tone. You shouldn't have. You shouldn't have betrayed me. You shouldn't have hurt me. I'm not saying that the reasons aren't real. There's always real reasons to be offended. There's always real reasons. But unforgiveness, if you're not careful, it will come in and will literally put walls up against people. You know, Proverbs says it is easier to win a walled city than a brother offended. Unforgiveness puts up walls. You're out. You're done. I'm burning this bridge. Never again. I'm not going there. I'm done with those people. And the world of the offended gets smaller and smaller. Offense also comes from undealt with hurt. This sounds like, why did you? Why did you say that? Why did you talk about me like that? Why, why, why did you bring that thing up? You know, why did you use that tone? You know, what did you mean by that? What were those words? Maybe it's a misunderstanding. Maybe it's a miscommunication. You know, maybe it was your pride or, or their ego, but... You just got hurt by it, and now, if you're not careful, you'll carry that hurt everywhere, and you'll carry that with everyone. You think you can be hurt in this relationship and not have it touch that one? They all come from the same source, and hurt is indwelling within the heart. And here's the problem. The problem is offense can always be justified. It can always be justified. Let me tell you something. You'll always have reasons to be offended. You'll have the receipts. You'll have the text messages. You'll have the journal. I wrote it down. You'll have what they said. You'll have what they did, what they didn't do. Are you hearing me? You'll always have, a offense will always be justified. So if you go off that, you still are dealing with the issue. No, no, you don't know. You don't know what they did. No, no, I, I, I do know. 
It's justified. But if you justify it, you, you, you might say, well, do I not have the right to be offended? Wrong question. Is it right to be offended? Because if you justify offense, it will lead to isolation. It will lead to division. And eventually it will lead to hatred. And can I even add this? A lot of times it leads even to self-hatred. Because hate, if you open the door, you don't get to decide exactly which one comes in. And the reality is, it's not so much what happens to you, but it's your response that could destroy you. You can't, you can't control what happens to you, you know? If you had billions, you couldn't, you couldn't control what happens to you. But you can control your response. And see, the enemy's trap, it's so subtle, so slick. His, his, his desire is to get your response to be the thing that destroys you. Yeah. The response of offense eats you up from the inside out. Jesus knows this. He knows the, uh, the heart of man. And, and so, so there's a moment when he preaches a very hard truth. And people are offended disciples that were with him for a long time, they're offended. People that saw miracles, ate the bread, they're offended. I'm talking Christians. I'm talking believers. I'm talking seen eye to eye with Jesus. And, and he preaches this hard truth, and it's too much for them. And so Jesus turns to the, the 12 that are there, and the Bible says, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this. Because see, that's, that's how offense comes out. It's always grumbling. It's complaining. You know, the Bible says, guard your heart. Above all else, guard your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The mouth reveals. Their hearts were offended. And so now they're grumbling. And Jesus said to them, does this offend you? I think Jesus is a little bit of an instigator here. You know? He doesn't say, hey, guys, don't let this offend you. Let me explain safe space. Come here. Let's sit down. Crisscross applesauce. Not Jesus. He looks right at him and says, does this offend you? Because there are going to be opportunities to be offended, hear me, with God. With God. A lot of times we think, no, no, it's just people. It's just with they. It's because they, they fell short. It's because they're sinners. No, no. You can be offended with perfection. You can be offended with God himself. You can be so offended with God, you leave. You walk out. You walk away. You say, oh, but I'm a disciple. They were too. And they let, and he looks at his disciples and he doesn't try and keep them. Say, guys, I really need your help with the ministry. Please stay. No, he says, does this offend you? Think about this. Check your heart. Because sometimes God will do things that will create the opportunity to be offended with him. Sometimes God will do things in your life, I'm going to even add this, intentionally to create an opportunity for you to be offended with him. You know what this is called? A test. This is called a test. Now, he doesn't want you to be offended. He wants you to grow. He wants you to become strong. When the sun comes out and the drought begins, the goal is not to kill the tree, but that their roots go deeper. God wants for you to, to grow strong in this moment, but you have a choice. I want you to hear me. In these moments, you might feel like God is against you, and maybe they thought that. Like, is God antagonizing them? 
You know, is he playing mind games? Is God cruel? And why is he doing this? Because he's trying to build something in you, remove something for you. And you've got to understand this. The opportunity for offense is also the opportunity to trust. It's the same opportunity. The opportunity to be offended with God is also the opportunity to trust God. You've got to take those confusing circumstances and give it over to God. You've got to take that pain and put it in his hands. You've got to take your plan and say, Lord, not my way, not my will, but your will. This is an opportunity where I could be hurt because you didn't do it my way or show up the way I wanted or didn't answer my prayer or you gave me a word. Now my life's going in a different direction or something's unfulfilled. Now you have the choice. Will you be hurt, bitter, angry, resentful with God or will you be able to say like Job, I choose to trust. Job lost everything. He lost his wealth. He lost his finances. He lost his children. He, he, he lost everything. And he even lost the respect of all of his friends. They said, this is on you, Job. You did something wrong because you are cursed. Even his wife said, Job, curse God and die. Get it over with. What were they saying? They were saying, Job, you have the right to be offended. You have the right. This is wrong. This has been done wrong to you. Who knows why? Obviously, God is against you. Be offended and die. But Job, he knew something about God. And the Bible says that Job says the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I choose to trust. I choose to give. I choose to align. What's Job saying? He's saying, Lord, I put it in your hands. I'm not taking circumstances back in my hands. I'm not going to choose to try and control, be angry, or lash out. I put it back in your hands. Many people have had to do this. John the Baptist had to do this. Abram had to do this. One time, John the Baptist is in prison, and he didn't think this is how life was going to go. He thought he was called. You know, he's doing ministry. I'm sure he even thought me and Jesus are going to do ministry together. And now he's in prison. Jesus is on the planet. His ministry is growing, his influence, his power, his strength, and yet John is languishing? This doesn't seem right to John. He feels like something's wrong here. Does Jesus not know? Does God not know? He sends a disciple, and they say, Lord, we're here representing John. You know, are you the Messiah? Are you the one? Because it seems like his life has gotten worse. Have you ever gotten saved, and then it seemed like sometimes life gets worse? Things get more difficult? You're under more attacks. Like Job, one person is saying something that happened and they're not even done talking and another tragedy comes. It's like wave after wave. You're getting caught in the undercurrent and you're feeling like, I, I, am I ever going to come up for air? I'm losing strength. I'm losing direction. I'm losing clarity. I'm confused. I'm nervous. I don't know what's going on. God, you gave me a revelation of you. Where are you? This is John the Baptist. And, and, and Jesus answers their question in a powerful way. He tells the disciples, he says, look around, what do you see? Do you see blind eyes being opened? Do you see the lame walking? Do you see people being set free? Yeah, we see that, Lord. He says, then go back to John and tell him this. He says, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Blessed is the one who's not offended by me. What is he saying? He's saying, can you trust me? Can you trust me? And if you're able to, you'll be blessed. 
But if you look at what this is, insinuates, is that the opposite then, to be offended is to be cursed. To not be offended is to be blessed. But to be offended is to be cursed. Jesus says that to John. He says that to us. Are you able? If you're here today and you're offended with God, don't leave this place until you leave it at the altar. Maybe you're here today and you're offended with people. Offended with people. 1 John 4.20 says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. John's saying this, this has to be real. You cannot say I love God and be offended with everybody, resentful towards everybody, have everybody in your debt. And you've got to be very careful because offense is a spirit like a cloak. It is an antichrist spirit. It tries to get on you. And sometimes you can see it. You can see it on people. And you say, oh, I hope you're doing all right. Hey, get that thing off you. Get that thing off you. Because if you are offended, please hear me. If you are offended with one, you'll eventually be offended with all. And I have also seen, I have never seen someone offended with man and not end up offended with God. I've never seen someone offended with God and not end up offended with man. This thing is a cloak. This thing is a spirit. And it wants to get on your life. It wants to cover your eyes. You'll see everything from the perspective of a perpetual victim. It wants, like a virus, to get on you. Like a virus spread through you, through contact. It's like a communicable disease. It spreads through communication. Have you ever heard a story from a friend maybe about another friend, how they hurt them. And when you're hearing the story, all of a sudden you start getting mad. You say, they did what? They said what? Now you're getting like shallow breathing, you know, veins popping out. You're like, what are we going to do about this? You know, start making plans. And then after you hear that story, you see the person who the story was about. Come on, how do you react? this guy. What happened? They didn't do it to you. They didn't say it about you. You caught secondhand offense. The smoke got on you. Now you still smell like it. It's on your clothes. It's on your heart. You caught secondhand offense. Now you're mad at someone who did you no wrong. How's that happen? The spirit of offense on this person got on you because you agreed with it and you accepted it. And then you know the enemy's so sly. <sighs> he traps you there because those two people end up reconciling. I'm sorry, man. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Come on, dude. <laughs> now they're friends and you're, a you're offended with both of them now. <laughs> now they're both jerks. And the enemy's like, gotcha. Gotcha. Because in biblical language, offense actually means a trap. And the bait that Satan uses is situations. Hurt, misunderstanding, pride, ego, miscommunication, undealt with things. He puts it there. And if you are not aware, you will end up stepping directly into Satan's trap. Now he says, I got you. And until you forgive, until you let go, I got you. 
please hear me, you can't move forward if you're caught in the trap. You can't grow if you're caught in the trap. You can't be healthy if you're bleeding out in the trap. I'm here to tell you today, don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. When you see that thing coming, may the Holy Spirit give you discernment. Don't agree, don't accept, don't repeat. Proverbs 17.9 says, whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. May that not be you. May that not be me. May we be the people who cover, who forgive, who are gracious, who try and mend fences and friendships. Today, maybe you're in this place, and even as I'm speaking, you're feeling a little, a little tense. You're feeling like God's coming for me, you know? Maybe you feel a little bit today like, maybe I didn't know, but maybe I am offended. You're asking yourself that question. Am I still offended over this thing or that person or this place? Well, today, I want to help diagnose you. I've got your chart right here. So let's, uh, let's diagnose. I'm going to run a scan. It's been a while since you've been here, I can see. Let's ask some questions. Because the symptoms here that I'm seeing are you have a lot of irritability. There's a tightness in your chest whenever that person's around or their name is brought up. You have a lot of passive-aggressive remarks, can't seem to grow. This looks like offense. Let's run through. Let's run through. When you hear their name, what do you do? What do you say? Is there a wince? Is there a wheeze? Is there a harumph? Because you might be offended. Let me ask you this question. Have you recently checked their profile hoping to see that their life has fallen apart? Huh? You don't follow them, but you sure follow them. Let me ask you another one. Do you constantly rehearse the same story about how they hurt you? Either in your own mind or to another? Some of you got that story memorized. You've never memorized one Bible verse, but man, you've got that story down. <laughs> Chapter and verse. <laughs> All right, how about, let's look at this one. How about this one? Behind closed doors, what have you said about them? How do you speak about them? We're just diagnosing offense here. Do you avoid going where they will be? I don't mean to not draw healthy boundaries but healthy boundaries are never drawn out of offense. Do you avoid going where they'll be? How about this? Can you pray for them? Can you pray for God to bless them? That's the final test. Can you pray for God to bless them? These are some questions that you should ask yourself to find out if you're offended. Maybe you say, I am. Well, let me give you the prescription. This is what Jesus said to Simon Peter. 
One day, Simon Peter comes to Jesus. He's going to try and impress him. And he says, Lord, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? And Jesus says, no, you should forgive 70 times seven. I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, I want for you to cultivate a lifestyle of forgiveness. And you might think, who, who would ever need to be forgiven 70 times seven? Can I ask you, have you ever been married? <laughs> You'll find out real quick. You're, you're going to blow by that number. <laughs> Some of the mathematicians are like, well, that's a lot. Just wait. <laughs> With the amount of text messages you get, you're going to blow by that number. What's Jesus saying? Keep forgiving. Get them out of your debt. Continually let it go. Listen, you need to take a shower every day to be clean. You need to be washed every day to be clean. Forgive, forgive, let it go, let it go. Repeat. And to illustrate this, Jesus tells this parable about an unmerciful servant. This servant comes before the master of the house and he owed a great debt to this master. Bible says that that this servant owed hundreds of bags of gold to this master, an amount that you could not pay off if you had a hundred lifetimes. If you worked all day with all that you got, it is a debt that you could never ever pay down. The servant comes before the master, gets on his knees, begs and pleads, says, please forgive me. I'll pay you back. I'll make it right. I'm so sorry. Just don't throw me in debtor's prison. Please, please give me more time. Now he knows, and the master knows, there's no paying this back. There's not enough time. But the master is so good and so gracious. He says, you know what? I release you from your debt. You don't even have to pay it back. I forgive you. This this servant leaves the master's house overjoyed, cannot believe his fortune, excited, grateful, thankful, overwhelmed. But as he's walking home, he sees another servant, and that servant owes him a small amount, like, like the kind that you could pay back in a day's work. And he goes to that servant, and he demands the money. And that servant says, please, give me more time. I will pay you back. I'll do it right away. I'll pay you back fully. Please, I just don't have it now. But the unmerciful servant says, no, you owe it. Now I'm throwing you in debtor's prison until you've paid it back to the last cent. Now, some of the other servants that were in the house that saw this man just, just being forgiven and then saw how he treated the other servant, they knew this isn't right. So they go to the master of the house and they tell him what they saw. And the master calls in the unmerciful servant. And he said, did I not forgive you? This massive amount? Was I not faithful to you? And then you left here and you weren't like me at all. You saw a fellow servant and you demanded from him what I did not demand from you. Now, you got to pay it back. I'm going to throw you in debtor's prison, and it will be very painful until you pay back every last cent. 
Colossians 3 tells us, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Let it go. Release. Be gracious. You might be here today and and you know you've got some work to do in this area, don't we all? And maybe you're saying, oh, well, then what do I do? I think there's three things that you can do. The first is maybe you need to apologize to someone. This isn't true in every case, but you might need to apologize for your offense towards someone else. You might need to go to them and tell them, hey, I'm, I am sorry. I was offended. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Now, let me warn you. Don't do it if you don't mean it. If you're just doing it out of duty, but you haven't settled it in your heart, don't do it. And don't do it if you're expecting a certain reaction. You know? I said, I'm sorry, do you have anything to say? (laughs) No? I appreciate it. Don't do it, because then you'll get double hurt and double offended. Worse than before it even began. And lastly, let me just warn you, and this is true of all apologies, don't use it as an opportunity to tell someone how much they hurt you and the reasons why. You know, letting them know the wrong they did. Only apologize if you can say, I was offended, I was wrong, I apologize. Let God judge them. Let God work with them. Let God put his finger on their heart. But you cannot do it. It's got to be them and it's got to be God. And for some of you, that might be an action that you need to take. For others, you might need to forgive. You know, maybe this, the, the relationship is severed, or maybe they've passed on, or, or maybe it's just, you know, it's just not necessarily needing an apology, but you know you're still holding it in your heart, and, and you do need to forgive. And that is for all of us. Jesus even said, when he was teaching us how to pray in the Lord's Prayer, he says, pray like this, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. What's Jesus saying? He says, don't ask for forgiveness if you're not forgiving. Lord, forgive me, and I forgive them. I release them. I bless them. Lord, they don't owe me anymore. They're not under my account anymore. I forgive. Now listen, I believe the Lord's Prayer has to be prayed every day. You might have to pray, forgive them every day. And it might take you years because it's not just to forgive, it's to forgive fully. And that's a deep work that only God can do. But I also want you to please hear me. Just like the physical body, when it's healing, it's sensitive in that area for a time. When it's fully healed, even if there is a scar to show where the wound once was, there's no longer sensitivity or pain. God can heal any situation fully within your own heart. Amen. Amen. And lastly, I'd encourage you to pray. Pray this prayer. Lord, I release them. And then say their name. Lord, I release them. Whether it's your mother or your father, maybe it's an ex, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a teacher or a friend or a mentor or a leader or a child. Maybe it's even God. You need to pray this prayer. Lord, I release them, then say their name.
say their name. And it might be difficult, and it might take you months, years. But every time you have that thought or a dream or that pain, pray that prayer, Lord, I release them. And I believe God will continually watch you. Because the reality is you will face the opportunity for offense against God and people many times in your life. And if you can't walk through it, if you cannot, if you cannot prevent and check and release, um, then you're going to get stuck in it. But I'm here to tell you today, forgiveness can move you forward. Come on, forgiveness can move you forward. It can grow you. It can change you. It can release you. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.